Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Friday, February 5th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. Overnight, a massive stimulus bill backed by the Biden White House moving forward on Capitol Hill as a new monthly jobs report shows an economy still stalled by the pandemic. Also on Capitol Hill, division continuing amongst the GOP, 11 Republicans joining their Democratic counterparts in voting to punish freshman Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene for her controversial conspiracy theories. And with the schools still in disarray across the country because of COVID-19, a growing body of evidence showing that students are being left behind, especially in those poor communities. A special look at the crisis. This and much more today on U News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin with President Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill, now one step closer to becoming law. The Senate passed a budget resolution early Friday morning, a key component towards passage of this relief plan. Moving ahead without Republican support, though, the urgency for quick action on the economy was underscored by today's jobs report. U.S. employers added just 49,000 jobs in the month of January, a very modest gain, emphasizing the pandemic's tight grip on this economy. Overall, nearly 10 million jobs remain lost because of the crisis. President Biden reacted just this morning during a meeting with House Democratic leaders to discuss the relief bill, and this is what he had to say. We're going to be uh, talking about the recovery package, but uh, you saw the jobs report. There's only 6,000 private sector jobs have been created, and uh, at that rate, it's going to take uh, 10 years before we get to full employment. Um, it's not, that's not hyperbole. That's a fact. We're going to be in a situation where it take a long, long time. And joining us now from Washington, D.C., to explain more is our own Edwin Pitti. Edwin. Hi, Andrea. That's right. President Biden was emphatic this morning on the urgency of passing his COVID relief package. He says he will not budget on the amount of direct payments to American families, but agrees on income limits. Let's listen. So I'm going to act. I'm going to act fast. I'd like to be uh, I'd like to be doing it with the support of Republicans. I've met with Republicans. There's some really fine people who want to get something done, but they're just not willing to go as far as I think we have to go. I've told both Republicans and Democrats that's my preference to work together. But if I have to choose between getting help right now to Americans who are hurting so badly and getting dry, bogged down in a lengthy negotiation or compromising on a bill that's, that, that, that's up to the crisis, that's an easy choice. I'm going to help the American people who are hurting now. Overnight, Senate members voted on numerous amendments on Biden's coronavirus relief package. Most of those amendments were defeated, but among the ones adopted, one aimed at preventing wealthy Americans from receiving $1,400 checks. The Senate also approved bearing undocumented immigrants from getting stimulus checks, and that was with the help of eight Democrats, among them Maggie Hassan, John Hickenlooper, Mark Kelly, Joe Manchin, Gary Peters, John Tester, 
Kirsten Cinema and Debbie Stabenow. The amendments adopted during this process will not necessarily make it into the final bill. Now the focus will be on the House. That's why this morning President Biden held a meeting with Democratic committee leaders to move forward with the plan. The Senate resolution sets the stage for budget reconciliation, which would allow Democrats to pass the final bill with no Republican support. Since the Senate revised the budget resolution bill, it now goes back to the House to get a new vote, including the changes. If it passes there, the Senate would likely wait until after former President Donald Trump's second impeachment trial to vote on a final bill. Live in Washington, D.C., back to you, Andrea. Thank you, Edwin, for all those details and reactions from the president. We know a lot of people are still hurting out there. Thank you, Edwin. In other legislative news, three lawmakers are calling on President Biden to declare a national climate emergency. Democratic representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Earl Blumenauer and Senator Bernie Sanders introduced the National Climate Emergency Act on Thursday. This bill would direct the president to use the National Emergencies Act of 1976 to fight climate change. If passed, it would also require the White House to make infrastructure upgrades and other investments and provide Congress with a report on how it's combating the climate crisis. The lawmakers introduced a similar resolution in 2019. And with a Senate trial of former President Trump set to begin just next week, House impeachment managers are asking that Trump testify in his upcoming Senate impeachment trial. This is the second one. But his attorneys are calling that a publicity stunt and saying the ex-president will not testify. The lead impeachment manager, Congressman Jamie Raskin, made the request formally in a letter. He wanted to get Trump on the record about his conduct surrounding the January 6 riots at the Capitol. Meanwhile, a bombshell lawsuit has been filed surrounding the November election. A voting technology company, Smartmatic, is suing Fox News and some allies of former President Trump over election fraud claims for $2.7 billion. In that suit, the company alleges election conspiracy theories jeopardized Smartmatic's survival. The theories included that the company's technology allowed the November vote to be rigged against Trump. The ex-president's former personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, and pro-Trump attorney Sidney Powell are also named in that lawsuit, along with Fox News host Lou Dobbs, Maria Bartiromo, and Janine Pirro. In addition to the money they are seeking, the company also sent a legal notice to Fox News demanding a complete retraction of all, quote, false and defamatory statements. And on Capitol Hill overnight, House Democrats stripped Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene of her committee assignments. This coming after Republicans refused to take action against her for pushing conspiracy theories before becoming an elected official. House Democrats making a strong statement, voting to remove freshman Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene from the Education and Labor and Budget Committees. The line in the sand has to be the promotion and elevation of violence directed at your colleagues or other Americans. This decision came after Green's last-minute efforts to save her assignments by taking back hateful comments and conspiracy theories she promoted before running for office. I never said any of these things since I have been elected for Congress. These were words of the past. The Georgia lawmaker also making this claim about her belief in QAnon. In 2018, when I started finding misinformation, lies, things that were not true in these QAnon posts, I stopped believing it. I've heard too much about process and not enough about accountability.
No member ought to be permitted to engage in the kind of behavior that Representative Green has and face zero consequences. The debate on the House floor lasted several hours, but ultimately, 11 House Republicans joined Democrats in voting to remove Green from her committees. However, most, like House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, deciding against punishing their colleague. This partisan power grab is not only cynical, it's hypocritical. Meanwhile, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she's not concerned about the precedent Democrats may be setting for wanting to remove a sitting Republican member from her assignments. If any of our members threatened the safety of other members, we'd be the first ones to take them off of the committee. That's it. This is the first time in modern history the majority party has taken this kind of action against a lawmaker from across the aisle. Johnson & Johnson has applied for emergency use authorization from the FDA, and that means its single-dose vaccine could be available for distribution in just a matter of weeks. It's a new weapon in the fight against coronavirus that could prevent another wave of infections, and Lorraine Casares brings us those details. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine soon joining the fight against COVID-19. This could not come at a better time. Cases are dropping rapidly in the United States. The seven-day moving average for new cases is down 54% since its peak in January. Now is the time to put the fire out. The pharmaceutical company applying for emergency use authorization from the FDA. The single-dose vaccine, 85% effective in clinical trials for preventing severe illness and 100% effective at preventing hospitalizations and deaths. Even if you were to contract COVID on this vaccine, you have a much milder course. The U.S. has placed an order for 100 million doses, and Johnson & Johnson says it can deliver that by June. Meanwhile, with the spread of variants growing nationwide, Dr. Anthony Fauci warning the U.K. variant in particular has the potential to become dominant in the U.S. A recent study from the U.K. showed that it might be somewhat more deadly in the sense of making people sicker and certainly leading to death more. So we don't want that to become dominant in our own country. In places like Laredo, Texas, which has one of the highest infection rates in the country, hospitals are still struggling to handle the constant influx of new COVID patients. It hit us like a train. We got through it. We lost a lot of friends. We lost employees, lost family members. I've signed so many death certificates in this past year, probably more than my whole career. And um, that's... It's, that's, that's the worst part of it. On Thursday, the U.S. reported almost 5,000 new deaths. The virus so far claiming the lives of more than 455,000 people. The latest forecast from the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington predicting the total number of deaths will reach 630,000 by June 1st. And if the FDA has already scheduled a hearing on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine for February 26th, if it gets approved, the process then passes on to the CDC for further analysis. If all goes well, Johnson & Johnson vaccine could be ready for distribution and to put into people's arms as soon as March 1st. Back to you, Andrea. Thank you, Lorraine, for that report. And the White House wants to resurrect a scrapped Trump proposal to mail masks to all Americans. On Thursday, White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain said that the Biden administration hopes to make progress on the plan in the next week. 
The idea originally came up last year, but a Trump administration official told The Washington Post at the time that the plan was scrapped by Trump himself. His economic advisors were worried widespread masks could create, quote, concern or panic, end quote. And the CDC is saying that people in the LGBTQ community may be more vulnerable to COVID-19. The agency looked at data from its national health-related telephone survey from 2017 to 2019. It found that people in the LGBTQ community report a higher number of health conditions like heart disease, asthma, cancer, diabetes, and kidney disease. Not only do these conditions make them more susceptible to the virus, if they do develop COVID-19, it's more likely to be a severe case in general. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your News, your world, You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. Turning now to immigration on the Mexico side of the U.S. border, Tamaulipas police rescued 49 migrants seeking help, according to the state prosecutor's office. The migrants had made a deal with some people to cross the border into the United States, but then the smugglers demanded a higher payment. When the refugees refused, the smugglers indicated that they would be handed over to another group of human traffickers. The prosecutor's office reported the National Migration Institute is now verifying their legal status and no arrests were made. One of the world's largest consulting firms is having to pay up for its work with opioid manufacturers. McKinsey & Company has reached a settlement with dozens of states worth $573 million. According to a statement from New York's Attorney General, McKinsey raked in millions of dollars by helping opioid companies market their drugs. The money will go to the states involved in the lawsuit to help fight the drug crisis. In 2019, McKinsey announced it would no longer work with Purdue Pharma, the manufacturer behind OxyContin. One of the world's largest consulting firms is having to pay up for its work with opioid manufacturers. McKinsey & Company has reached a settlement with dozens of states worth $573 million. According to a statement from New York's Attorney General, McKinsey raked in millions of dollars by helping opioid companies market their drugs. The money will go to the states involved in the lawsuit to help fight the drug crisis. In 2019, McKinsey announced it would no longer work with Purdue Pharma, the manufacturer behind OxyContin. In other legal news, alleged victims of the late Jeffrey Epstein won't be able to get compensated for a while. The Epstein Victim Compensation Fund that was set up last year has paused. Claim payouts for now because executors of his estate say there's not enough cash available to pay out the necessary funds. The program has received over 150 claims so far and paid out over $50 million. Epstein died in jail while facing several charges related to sexual abuse and trafficking young girls. Meanwhile, in Minnesota, prosecutors are asking for third-degree murder charges to be reinstated in the George Floyd case. A motion was filed to again charge former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin with third-degree murder. That, along with a recommendation to add 
third-degree murder charges against former officers Chu Thao, J. Alexander King, and Thomas Lane. Right now, Chauvin is charged with second-degree unintentional murder and second-degree manslaughter. George Floyd died May 25th after an encounter with Minneapolis police. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.